Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. But I hope somebody would take it to heart this morning. I want you to draw your focus unto God and yourself. I don't want you to consider how this verse applies to people uh, that aren't here, to your family members, to, to, to other folk. I want you to consider how the Word of God applies to you today. Amen. Uh, we believe that God is real. We believe that his book is alive. We're going to be reading from his book this morning. These verses will be on the screen. Uh, follow along as I read them out loud. And listen, get something from being here today. Don't just check off. See, here's what a lot of people are doing around the world. They're checking it off on their, I'm a good person because I went to church on Easter list. That's, 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 that, there's nowhere in the Bible that it tells us to do that. But the Bible tells us to pay attention to the reading of the Word of God when we come together and with all you're getting to get understanding. And I want you to understand something today about God in this place because if we will be listening, I promise He will be speaking. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, the Apostle Paul is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Listen to this last verse, verse 4. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. If you believe that, you ought to say amen. I want you to prepare your hearts right now and ask God to speak to us from a sermon titled, What Easter Means to Me. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. I thank you for all that we've already experienced in your kingdom today, God. I thank you for your spirit who is here moving in this place. And I pray that you would touch every heart, every mind, God. I ask you to anoint me to say those things that would be sound doctrine, God. Give us ears to hear. What you have to say, be our teacher now is our prayer from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now it's Easter, and Easter means different things to different people, and I thank God that you came to a church like Abundant Life Christian Fellowship today, because in case you came here under false pretenses, there's not going to be a helicopter dropping 10,000 Easter eggs on the parking lot. It's not going to be Easter Bunny for you to get an 8 by 10 portrait made with you and your family. We're not going to give a basket full of candy um, and an uh, and, and Easter Bunny suit to every child that came here today. Uh, I'm not mad at that stuff, but I'm here to tell you, we just come together today the same way we come together every Sunday because the Bible says we ought to celebrate the resurrection of God on the first day of the week corporately. <laughs> Thousands of years, the church of the Lord gathered on Saturday. The true followers of Jehovah God, King of heaven and earth, gathered together on Saturday. But these Jews 
that, that experienced Christ and received the born-again experience from Christ, they were so impacted by what happened on that first Sunday 2,000 years ago that they decided, look, we got to meet together on Sunday, y'all. We ought to gather together every Sunday and remind ourselves of how incredible it was that this man, this God-in-the-flesh man named Jesus Christ, he, he lived, he died, was buried, and rose again on the first day of the week. And that's what we're here to do today. We're here to celebrate our King, and we do this every Sunday. Now, I think most people in, in the room know what the true meaning of Easter is. It's about these verses that we just read. It's about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, we know it's not about the Easter bunny buying new clothes, egg hunts, and candy baskets. Let me say this, though. I'm not mad at any of those things. I am just not. I, 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 love, I love to see people wear, wear, wearing clothes they feel good in. Um, listen, I didn't get to 219 pounds not loving candy. You want to talk? They, they ought to sell that all year round. What, 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 what kind of decision? Who made a decision that peeps are only good one week out of the year? That's, we all wonder what peeps it. That's straight sugar. That's almost as good as circus peanuts. I mean, that is, that is just get your mind right. Uh, I, who decided that a chocolate covered Easter bunny was only good to eat all one week out of the year? Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. I've taught my kids this their whole lives. There is a right way and a wrong There's a right and wrong way to eat Lucky Charms. You know that. If you just eat every spoon as it comes, you're an amateur. Amateur. Rookie. You got you to gotta move the marshmallows off to the side and end up with a bowl full of them. How many, how many of y'all get to them marshmallows last? Come on, professional Lucky Charms eaters surrounded by amateurs. There's the right way to eat. Listen, my favorite, that chocolate, that, that Easter bunny with long ears, them chocolate ears, let me tell you something. It's the right way and the wrong way to do everything. I'm going to get to the message in a minute, but I'm just trying to help y'all chocolate eaters. You put that Easter bunny in the refrigerator. How many of y'all know about refrigerated chocolate? It's on a different level because here's the thing. You take that Easter bunny with them big rabbit ears out of the refrigerator and you bite into it, it snaps and is amazing. Go ahead and let it sit in your car and then bite into it. It just mushes and is gooey. I ain't mad at Easter Bunny. I ain't mad at new clothes. And I'm sure not mad about people going to church. Not mad at candy. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But, but as Christians, we need to understand the real significance is about the resurrection of the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Now, the gospel message of the Bible is that because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, all men became sinners, and to save mankind from their sin, God became a man, lived a perfect life, died on a Roman cross, rose again the third day so that we who believe in him could have eternal life. That's the entire story of Christianity right there. Now here's the difference between what makes some people just good people, bad people, church-going people, or ultimately born-again folk who are going to spend eternity in heaven. Because everybody, you've heard me say this, everybody believes in Jesus. Everybody. Every religion believes in Jesus. Every atheist believes in Jesus. Every agnostic believes in Jesus. They, they believe that Jesus was a man. They, they believe that Jesus lived on this earth. But the difference is, do you really believe with all of your belief system that he truly conquered death, hell, and the grave and rose from the dead by his own power and might on the third day? 
Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. See, a lot of people confess with their mouth the Lord. I love the Lord. Do you? Not really, but I say it. Listen. He says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and. What's and mean, church? There's more. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And, and that, that's the real message about what Easter's about. That's the message of the cross. That's how we come to Christ. And I'm not going to preach a traditional Easter message to you this morning. But I want to take a few minutes, and I want to tell you what Easter means to me. Because I can remember as a kid, and it's hilarious, uh, because we, we had no Bible reading in my home. We had no prayer in my home when I was growing up. But every now and then, we'd, we'd get some new clothes and be bust off to church on Easter. Any, any, any of y'all used to buy, buy your little man a, a new suit on Easter and just, uh, uh-huh. And I'm not mad at that. But to most people, Easter means the Easter bunny, new clothes, and going to church. But to me, Easter is about three different things. Jesus, resurrection, and joy. And I'm going to tell you what. We all need a greater focus on Jesus. We all need to focus more on the resurrection because everybody in this room needs more joy. If I asked everybody in this room, what do you really want out of life, we'd have a lot of different answers. But the bottom line is that thing that you want out of life is because you think it would bring you more joy. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit this morning. Think about the first thing. Easter is about Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. I want to make my public profession of faith before each one of you today. I believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, was God come in the flesh, lived a perfect life, died on a Roman cross, was buried, and was raised again on the third day. I believe that with everything that's in me. There's nobody like him in the whole world. We, we used to sing in the old church, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Not only is Jesus the sweetest name I know, Jesus is the most powerful name I know. Not only is Jesus the most powerful name that I know, but Jesus is the only way you can get to God because he said of himself, I am the way, not a way. He said, I am the truth and the life. And hear what he said. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now hear me good. That's not inclusive. That's not inclusive. See, we, the, the whole talk in corporate America right now is... About DEI, DEI, DEI. So, somebody that, that works in the world, tell us what DEI is. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, but do you know what the most exclusive, non-diverse, non-open-minded, non-inclusive uh, group in, in the whole world is? Christians. Everybody, hey, listen, everybody talking about Jesus not going to heaven? Now listen, we're diverse. You see that in this room today. We come from all backgrounds. We come in all shapes, sizes, colors. And the Bible says that in heaven, every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue will be represented there. But that's not inclusion. Everybody's not going to heaven. And Jesus said he's the only. Well, what about the good people that did X, Y, and Z? Did they come through Jesus? Because here's what Jesus said. Listen to how narrow-minded and intolerant this would sound if somebody stood up and said this today. He said, I'm the only way to heaven, and if any man attempts to come into heaven by any other means than me, they're a liar and a thief. 
Oh, you can't push that past corporate America. You can't even run that ad on television. But I want to tell you something. Easter is about Jesus. Christianity is about Jesus. Uh, you're, you, it's gotten popular in today's world where, where people check all these boxes on social media. Listen, some people check religious. Some people check non-religious. Some people check Christian, Buddhist, atheist, Hindu, Islam. Here, here, here's the one I, that they check that, that just throws me, just makes me laugh. Spiritual, but not religious. You know what that means? They're going to die and go to hell forever. And they, they've been deceived to think that there is spirituality outside of God's Holy Spirit. There is God's Holy Spirit, and everything else outside of that is a falsehood. It, it's, it's a poor attempt to measure up to Christianity. Listen, there's only, there's only two real approaches. People have studied this far smarter than me, and they've, they found that there's two real approaches. People trying to find a relationship with a higher power. That there are people reaching up, trying to grab hold of God. That's called works. And there is God reaching down from heaven, grabbing hold of us and pulling us up. That's called Christianity and the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And I hope that you find in your life more than spirituality, more than religion, more than philosophical ideology about the afterlife, but that you find a close, personal, intimate, dynamic, daily, ongoing relationship with the true and the living God who identified himself as Jesus on this earth. The Bible says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That's why he was able to tell his followers when they said, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you need to get this relationship with Jesus. In, in Philippians 2, we're talking about the name of Jesus. The, the Bible declares to us that his name is the name above all names. And you need to make it personal to you. He shouldn't be just be the Savior of the whole world. He should be your Savior. He shouldn't just be the Lord of heaven and earth. He should be your Lord. One of the most moving things to me in the Gospels is when Jesus had revealed himself in his resurrected body to the first person he revealed himself to, which was Mary, and, and, and he told her, I go to my Father and your Father. Oh, that's good news. If your Father, if your Father in heaven is the father that Jesus was talking about, you ought to just smile from ear to ear and say, I, I might have messed up a lot in life, but I know I got this right. I already told you I like chocolate-covered Easter eggs and bunnies and peeps and anything to do with sugar as much as anybody else. But if you really want to get me excited, don't, you don't have to break out chocolate and peeps. Brag on Jesus. See, because there's something in us as human beings that when somebody brags on somebody we love, it, it, just, it just connects to us. It's just like you, see, it's popular to say you go girl. We need to understand how to say you go God. And when people brag on the Lord, that, that, that's something to get excited about. That, that's, that's something uh, to, to really testify about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living is what we need to be doing as Believers, I told you as far as I'm concerned, the first thing Easter's about is Jesus. But that name means different things to different people. And Jesus might mean something different to you than it means to me. Now, Oprah Winfrey, you can Google this. It's easy to find. It comes up at the top of the search as soon as you start asking for it. 
Oprah, who's one of the most powerful people on the planet, told someone on her show one time, Jesus couldn't possibly be the only way to God. That, that, that's, that's too limiting because what, what might be God to you might be God different to someone else. Uh, that's New Age spiritual voodoo, and, and it's not true. But everybody's got their own image of who Jesus is. If you ask a historian who Jesus is, he'll say Jesus was a carpenter. If you ask a Muslim who Jesus is, he'll say Jesus was a prophet. If you ask a Mooney who Jesus is, he'll say Jesus is a teacher. If you ask a Mormon who Jesus is, they'll say Jesus was a son of God because they also believe, get ready for this, that the devil was the son of God too and him and Jesus are brothers. Don't, don't doubt me on that. I studied the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because my father, biological dad, was a priest um, after the order of Melchizedek in the Mormon church. And this is what they believe. But Jesus means something different to them than he means to us. I'm going to show a video. It's about a three-minute video. Um, but it is by one of the greatest preachers in the history of preaching. Dr. S.M. Lockridge, one of the greatest voices in church history. And I don't believe I can in the time I have. I couldn't in three minutes tell you as much about Jesus as he's about to tell you. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to really, for, it, for those of you who love the Lord, to not be scared to love on the Lord. Because if, if it was your child getting recognized today, and I presented him but before the congregation, and I said, let, let, let's just celebrate uh, this child the, the parents and the family would already be clapping. The, listen, go to high school graduation. You're going to see them ring cowbells and, and, and ratchets and, and, and hoot and holler. Even after being told by the principal, please hold all of your applause until the end of our ceremony so that all people could. Listen, when Bubba Ray's name gets called, if, if your child is behind Bubba Ray, I hope you got it on video. Because you will not hear your, because as soon as they say, Bubba Ray, 25 people from Middleburger jumped up banging cymbals and cowbells. Whoa, Bubba, Bubba, yeah, Bubba, that's my cousin. Tom Jones was next. They didn't hear Tom Jones. They, they, they didn't hear Keon Jones. They didn't hear. They, 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 they didn't hear Tallulah Jones. All they heard was 15 people from Middleburg. But what were they doing? Celebra Why were they celebrating? Why were they celebrating against traditional norms and what they'd been told to do? Because wasn't nobody going to shut them up about the person they loved. Bubba Ray Johnson, the first Johnson that ever made it past fourth grade, and they're going to let the world know. And they are going to celebrate. And we sit here and we claim that Jesus is the name above all names. Sing some. That's not love. That's not celebration. I told y'all before, uh, if somebody went to the average church service, most church services in America look more like a funeral 
than they do a praise and worship service. People sitting there all stone-faced, waiting on the singers to sing you happy and the preachers to preach you happy. Listen, nobody at that high school graduation had to preach the Johnson family to get happy when Bubba stepped on stage. We need to learn how to celebrate God because he's commanded us to. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do. You can sit there for the next three minutes and listen to what may be the greatest preacher ever. Talk about the greatest man ever and the only God ever. And you can hear him describe things to you, much, much like the dancer did. You can hear this man describe who Jesus is, and you know he was that to you, but you won't even stand on your feet and shout for him. That makes no sense. We got to learn how to be the people God called. Well, I'm just a more introverted than that. God don't care about your personality. God said to celebrate his son. God said to praise him. God said to lift up a shout. And we're going we, gonna, to gonna learn a lot about Jesus in the next three minutes. Uh, doc, doc, Dr. Lockridge preached a famous message called, That's My King. And he, for about three minutes, he just tells the truth about who Jesus really is. And if you hear something today and you know that's who God's been to you or you believe in God's goodness, I, I want you to respond in some kind of way and let God see that you've got a heartbeat for him. Come on, guys, play, play this clip. Hit pause. Hit pause. Click the button that says pause. Jerk the speakers out of the wall. Turn it all the way down. Okay. Restart it. We're going to go 2.0 on this. Y'all get ready to restart this thing. I didn't put my disclaimer out there. And I feel led to do this by the Holy Ghost. If you've been around me for a while, you know. Because I honestly don't care who gets upset by the truth. If, if the truth offends you, it's like Mama Jones said. If you throw a rock into a pack of dogs and one hollers and one to hit. So I'm going to tell you the truth before this video starts because I don't want anybody uh, being misled because we've been misled in America for 400 years about what Jesus looked like. Jesus is not a white man. See, so many white people got Jesus on a, on a mural at the Last Supper surrounded by 12 white people. Now, his disciples weren't white people. Jesus was a brown man, came from a brown part of the world. White guy like me over there in the Middle East, I'd, burn, I'd, I'd be red until I was dead. I'd just fry up like a tomato crisp over there. Jesus was a brown man. Not only was he a brown man, so if you've got a white Jesus on your wall, uh, at least have the common sense to know he was not white. Behind that, he was not skinny. I hate these depictions of a frail, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus with no muscles on his body. That is not who Jesus was. Jesus was a carpenter without power tools. Cutting trees down, hauling lumber. I thought I saw Jimmy Carlin in here. Uh, well, well, there's Nikki. 
Uh, you know, because you've seen your husband do it for years, men that haul trees around are not skinny men. They are big, strong men. Don't think this, this little frail Jesus with, with blonde hair and blue eyes and white skin and a, one trickle of blood coming down. It might be some of what you see here. I don't know why they put these images here, um, but just understand, Jesus was, was a brown-skinned man from the Middle East, just like all the brown-skinned people. You, you, want, you want to see? The, uh, there, there's Jimmy. I just called your name. Good to see you, son. He could tell you right now. We were talking about how Jesus couldn't be a, a skinny, frail sissy of a man because he was a carpenter without power tools. And I told him, you can ask Jimmy, men who haul lumber around are strong men, yeah? Big man, strong man. Our God was not a weak, blonde-haired, blue-eyed sissy of a man. But because I'm equal opportunity offended, let me tell, you, let me tell all, all the African-Americans in the room, he wasn't black either. He spent some time in Africa, but he was born to Hebrew parents. He was brown. I think it was probably dark brown because he worked outside a lot, but he wasn't African-American. So all of these people with these murals of an of Afro-wearing black Jesus and 12 black uh, disciples sitting around the Lord's table with him with, with, with an Afro picking his hair on a soul fist coming out the top of it. Y'all remember that pic? That ain't him either. And if Jesus has to look like you, if you got to try to believe he's white because you're white, or you got to believe he's black because you're black, you, you need to understand you are bringing him down to your level and not exalting him at his level. Now that's my disclaimer for these pictures that don't actually look like him, but I want you to concentrate on the words. And now that everybody's mad at me, here's what I want you to do. I still, when, he, when, when Dr. Lockridge says something, that represents who God is to you, I want you to respond and show some love and celebrate him. Come on, let's do this over.
Come on, put your hands together. Who wouldn't serve a God like that? That's who Jesus is. He's all that and more. Hallelujah. Easter's about Jesus. Second thing I want to tell you, Easter is about Easter's about resurrection. Oh, some of y'all need to let life spring back in you. So, some, some of you have been saved, but you need to do what the Bible says. You need to break up your fallow ground. That fallow ground, fallow ground is land that used to produce a big harvest before, but because it got weeds and rocks and stumps in it, it's become less productive or even non-productive. Some of you used to be more in love with Jesus. You need to let him just tear you up today and break up your fallow ground and let life spring back up in you. Easter is about resurrection. The American Heritage Dictionary says resurrection is the act of rising from the dead or returning to life. I wonder, do you really believe that this man, the most documented man in human history, truly was raised from the dead? Do you really believe that you believe that you believe that he got up? This is what makes Christianity different from every other religion in the world. If you go to Medina and you go to the place where they buried the Buddha, you can dig up his bones and his DNA is still there. If you go and look at the founder of every religion, if you go and you dig up the bones of Joseph Smith, you'll find out he's still in the grave. If you, uh, The founder of Mormonism, if you go and you look for the founder of Islam, any other religion in the world, you can find out that their founders died and stay dead. But the founder of Christianity is different, is better, is unique, is God. He's not where he died. He got up on Sunday morning. He raised himself from the dead, and he's alive. Oh, Dr. Jerry Vines at the Great First Baptist Church downtown Jacksonville got in trouble back in the early 2000s because he said something from the pulpit that went viral. He said Christianity is a better religion than Islam. Oh, they crucified him. They put him on every news show, and, and, and they, they, they wanted him to say, well, now, all religions are the same, and there are many roads that lead to heaven, and as long as you're a good person, and all that other foolishness that people lie to themselves about. But I thank God for the courage of this man in the face of public ridicule and death threats to stand flat-footed and say Christianity is better than any other religion because it's the only religion that can get you to heaven. Easter's about resurrection. I wish we could get to the place where we celebrated resurrection every day. That's why we don't do marketing campaigns. That's why we don't do TV commercials and ads and big promotion and events uh, on Easter Sunday because I want us to understand we ought to be celebrating the resurrection every moment of every day, understanding what that song we sang. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. See, he's alive, and we got to get a he's alive mentality about Christ. But before anything can rise from the dead, it has to die. God's plan to forgive sin is different from my plan. If it was up to me, if it's up to me, Scott Becker and everybody else would die and go to hell forever before I would let them harm one hair on my child's head. Any real parents in the room? How, how, how many of y'all would say, I'll let my child, my innocent good child, die for child molesters and rapists? Not just die, die a brutal death of crucifixion. This, 
Hey, everybody would be out of gas, including myself, before I would let Jesus die. But it was God's plan to send his son. God said there had to be a sacrifice for sin. Not just a sacrifice, but a blood sacrifice. Not just a blood sacrifice, but a death. That's why for thousands of years on the Day of Atonement in the Hebrew religion, they would bring uh, animals to the high priest and he would slit their throats, bleed them out on the mercy seat and put them on the altar and burn them to death as a sacrifice to God. But God had already foretold that the blood of bulls and goats would not always satisfy God's need for justice, but that he would send a perfect, sinless lamb, an innocent lamb that would pay for the sins of all mankind one time. And we know that to be Jesus. This whole blood thing, people say, well, why, why did he have to bleed? Because God said so, and it's God's world, and he gets to make the rules. Yeah? I don't understand it, but it's way, the way God set it up. And if you're going to be in God's kingdom, you, you got to understand God is in charge by himself. The scripture says he takes counsel from no one and what his soul desires that he does. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, remember when God came and said, Adam, why are you hiding? He said, we're hiding because we're naked. He said, who told you you were naked? And then they admitted that they had eaten the fruit that God told them not to. And so now they, they had broken the relationship with God. Because the scripture said God's eyes are too holy to look on sin. So what did God do? God didn't tell them, do 5,000 push-ups, crawl on broken glass, go to church every Sunday for 22 years and give all your money to the church and you can go to heaven. No. He did all the work himself. He took animals and he skinned them and he clothed them, the Bible says, with the covering of the skins of animals. Well, the only way to get skins off animals is to bleed them out and to kill them. And this has been the pattern. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Somebody's got to shed some blood. God did it for us so we wouldn't have to do it for ourselves. Romans 6.23 says, the wages or the payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. So you can either accept the fact that, you want to, that God has a demand for sin to be paid for, and you can say, well, I'll pay for it, and I'll go to hell forever and pay my own price for sin. Or you can say, I'll be thankful, grateful, and I'll believe in the payment Jesus made on the cross, and I will get into heaven by faith because God set that system up. In 1 Peter 3.18, listen, listen to what the Bible says. Christ suffered when he died for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but was raised to life in the spirit. Before something can have a resurrection, it has to die. And this is why some people walk aisles and pray prayers and never get true salvation. Because they're not willing to die to their, themselves. They're not willing to, to give up on their own hopes, goals, dreams, and agenda to embrace Christ. They want to add God into their deal. No, the Bible says you got to take up your cross. you got to die to yourself and let God come alive in you. We just had two days ago what the world calls Good Friday. Now, let me, let me just ask you. Uh, how is it three days from Friday to Sunday? How many days is it from Friday to Sunday? Two. Well, how, how is it that the Bible says he was raised on the third day? I use the same example I use forever because I used to be in, in the car rental business. I used to manage a rental car shop off 103rd and West Connect. And if you rented a car on Monday and brought it back on Wednesday, how many days was that? How many days on the calendar was it? 
How many days was it the rent you had to pay on it? That's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So here's what we got for, for Jesus' life. Friday, they died. Saturday, and he rose on the what? Sunday, the third day. So I want, I want you to understand, because I've had people ask me questions, schedule meetings with me to find out, how can we say he rose on the third day? It's only two days. No, it's Friday was a day. Uh, in, in, in the Hebrew mind, just like in the car rental mind, any portion of that day counts as a whole day. But we talk about Friday as being Good Friday. Uh, I, I, I want to tell you something. Good Friday was good for us, but it wasn't good for the life of Jesus. And just, just, just so y'all will get enough of Dr. Lockridge before you leave here today, I got another three-minute clip I want to play for you by one of the greatest preachers in the history of the world. Uh, Dr. S.M. Lockridge preached uh, uh, one of the most famous messages ever received, and it was called, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Watch this and think about how great our God is and everything he did for you. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. He is in tears. He is in despair. But Sunday is coming. It's Friday. I am stunned. The council of Israel is fine. The crowd is vilified. They don't even know that Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like Mary is crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They throw him in the sky. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays
Come on, give God praise. If you believe that there's something after death, there is resurrection to be thought about on Easter. This isn't my opinion. This isn't 12 apostles' opinion. This isn't the, the, the well-crafted story of a handful of lunatic Jews. This is the most documented event in human history. And Listen to what the Bible says in Acts 1 and 3. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. See, after he died and rose from the dead, he walked around for 40 days talking to people. Before he went to heaven for good, uh, the Bible records no less than 11 separate times where Jesus proved that he had raised himself from the dead. See, this is why the first century church grew so fast, not because of miracles, signs, and wonders, not because tongues and interpretation of tongues, not, not because of the excitement of uh, people being healed, but because of the radical belief and the wide-eyed excitement. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did, have you seen him? He can, he's alive. They killed. We saw him die, but now he's walking. Listen, if you saw somebody that you cared about come from the dead, you wouldn't just sit there and say, well, I probably shouldn't tell anybody because they wouldn't believe me anyway. But we know the truth about Jesus, and we hold it like, like it's not something to get excited about. Listen, uh, the first appearance uh, in John 20 was to Mary Magdalene in the garden. The second appearance in Mark 28 was to the women returning from the tomb. The third resurrection appearance was in Mark 16, two disciples on the road to Emmaus. The fourth resurrection appearance was in Luke 24 to Peter in Jerusalem. The fifth was in John 20 to ten of his disciples in the upper room. Listen, because Thomas missed the church service. Read the Gospels, you'll find out they were all gathered together, worshiping God, waiting on Jesus, and, and Thomas decided to take that day off. This is why I'm telling y'all, I told you and I told you and I'm going to tell you again, don't miss church. Don't think, well, it's just one more service. Ain't nothing big going to You might miss the one, you know your luck. You might miss the one service where Jesus really shows up and does something great. Church is something. Don't, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Thomas missed it when they appeared. Jesus appeared to ten of them. Judas had already hanged himself. Thomas was, you know, doing whatever. And then the sixth appearance in John 20 was when Thomas was there with all of them. He appeared to the eleven in the upper room because he didn't want to leave Thomas out. The seventh appearance in John 21 was to seven apostles by the Galilean Sea. The eighth appearance, listen to this one, 1 Corinthians 15. He appeared to more than 500 believers on Mount Tabor. Now, if somebody told you that great-grandma, great if they told you Big Mama rose from the dead, and they're like, okay, we'll prove it. Well, I've seen her. Who else? Well, just me. 
you would probably have to be pretty, pretty young and naive to believe that. Now, Seth had to endure this for years of his life. Uh, Seth was told by somebody, I can't, I can't verify who it was, but Seth was told by somebody that his father was a superhero and could fly. Somebody told him that. Shocking as it may be. And he just believed that. And he told people as a little kid, my dad's a superhero and he can fly. He got a little bit older. He said, Dad, you can fly, right? I said, well, don't you believe that? He said, yeah, but could you show me? You remember what I told you, son? What would I say? I only fly when nobody's looking. And then I told him right off the meme. I saw a meme one time. It says, I'm not telling you that I'm Batman. I'm just saying you've never seen me and Batman in the same room at the same time together. <laughs> this ain't how Jesus was raised from the dead. He did this big time. He, when more than 500 people, this ain't three crazy people off on the west side of Jacksonville saying Big Mama was raised from the dead. We saw her at Sonny's. No. This is hundreds of people saw Jesus. Listen in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. It says, I passed on to you that which was most important and what also had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, as the Scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. The resurrection is undeniable because it was personally witnessed by hundreds of people. And listen, if you study the, what happened to these early believers in Jesus Christ, they put them to the test. Rome put them to the test and, and, and piled up wood and, and, and had rope to tie them to the wood. And they said, all you have to do is say you've been lying. You didn't really see Jesus raised from the dead. And we'll release you and set you free. And they allowed Romans to burn them to death rather than to say that it didn't happen when they know that it happened. Now let me tell you something. Folk might lie in an air-conditioned room. But when it comes to holding to your truth, to be lit on fire while you're alive... People are not doing that. This thing was seen by hundreds of people, and they testified about it even unto their deaths. The ninth appearance in Mark 16 to the 11, James, Jesus' half-brother in Jerusalem. The tenth appearance in Luke 24 was to the 11 on the Mount of Olives. And the eleventh appearance in, chapter, uh, in Acts chapter 9 to the Apostle Paul. I'm telling you, Easter is about celebrating resurrection. You ought to make up in your mind this morning that you really believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose Again, the third thing, and we're going to get out of here because I know we're late. I said Easter means three things to me. It's about Jesus. It's about resurrection, but it's also about joy. Say joy. joy. Uh, when I think about the fact that Jesus loved me when I was unlovable, it floods my heart with joy. When I think about the fact that he saved me when I didn't deserve saving, when I think about the fact that he's kept me when I was unkeepable, when I think about the fact he didn't throw me away when I was running away from him, when I think about the fact that his love has never slowed down, stopped from me, oh, it floods my heart with joy. I can tell you this. I've been blessed. Uh, my mama's in the room right now, and I know my mama loves me. My sister's in the room right now, and I know my sister loves me. 
My, my son is in the room right now, and I know my son loves me. My brother-in-law is in the room right now, and I know he loves me. There's some of y'all in this room that, that mean more to me than life, and I know that you love me. But I can tell you this, I'm about to be 59 years old, and I can promise you on everything, nobody ever loved me the way Jesus has. Nobody's ever loved me like Christ. And you need to find this love of Jesus. You, you, you need to realize he paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. When I, when I think about what he said to his disciples in John 14, he said, I'm going. That crushed them. They were so upset they'd quit their jobs. They were following him. And he said, I'm leaving you. He said, I'm going to go away. But then he told them this but I'm going to go and prepare a place for you and one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you that where I am there you may be also. When I think about the reality that God's got a place for me and for everybody who is truly born again, it floods my heart with joy. Joy, we need to get some Christians to stop being so down and out. Well, I wish I had a better job. You're going to heaven when you die. What could be better than that? Mm. I'm so excited about the thought of seeing Jesus one day. I don't know about you. I don't know if you're ready to meet the Lord. I get it. I, I get it at a higher level, I think, than most people do. I held my wife when she was 36 years old. I cared for her in the home when, when the hospital gave up on her. I held her in my arms as she took her last breath. She died at 36 years old, left me with a 2-year-old and a 4-year-old. I, I know that people want to, when people say, well, grandmama finally died. She's happy now. She's back with Pop Pop. If Grandmama went to heaven and she's happy to be back with Pop Pop, she didn't have the right reason for going to heaven. I get it. I believe with all my heart because the Bible says that all who die in Christ shall live forever in heaven. And so I get it. I believe with all my heart that one day I'm going to see my brother in, in heaven. I believe I'm going to see my wife in heaven. I believe I'm going to see my grandmother in heaven. I believe I'm going to see my friends and family members who went on before me in heaven. But I'm going to tell you this. I ain't going to be in no hurry to run up and find them. I'm not going to be searching for them when I get to heaven. They're just going to be a byproduct because the only person I really care about seeing in heaven is the one who died for me. The only person I really care about seeing in heaven is the king of kings, the one who paid the price for my salvation. I'm glad other people are going to be there, but I'm only going to bow down before one of them. I'm only going to kiss the feet of one of them that's my reason for wanting to go to heaven and if you ever realize how good God is to you that's what you're going to want oh I hope you're saved this morning I ain't talking about walking aisles, praying prayers, joining churches. I ain't talking about signing a card. I'm not talking about sending money to the church and watching nurse, nursery babies. I'm talking about I hope you're truly saved I ain't talking about religious and, you know, I, I had an experience. No, I'm talking about truly born again where Jesus Christ is the most important and the only thing in your life that really matters. He said your love for everything else ought to look like hatred compared to your love for him. Oh, if he's not first, then you're in trouble. He said if, 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 you, if you come to follow me and you don't love me more than all else, then you can't be my disciple. I hope that you're truly born again. The Bible says in Romans 3 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, there's a real simple outline that smart people put together decades ago called the ABCs of salvation. And there's an ABC format 
for true salvation. Number one, you have to admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's all of us. Everybody has sinned. We've all done wrong. And if you can admit, see, it's not hard. I talk to people about Christianity. I, I, I witness my faith to people everywhere I go. It's not hard to get somebody to want to be saved. It's hard to get them to admit they deserve to be lost. Because, see, once somebody realizes that they've sinned and they deserve punishment, they're looking, they're looking for a Savior. It's just like the, the, the pool at the neighborhood I used to live in. We had a community pool, and all the kids there paid no attention to the lifeguards. The lifeguards were a burden to them because the lifeguard, and, and they, were, they, were, they, were, they were Nazis. Uh, they really were. They had a little bit of power and a whistle, and they abused it. Um, but if, if they heard a, a, a little tiny rumble of thunder a million miles, out of the pool, out of the pool, I heard thunder. You're going to throw us all out of the pool? Yep, 20 minutes. It was a 20-minute countdown. 19 minutes go by. Oh, 20 minutes, set the new clock. It's like we'd be here all day and can't get in the pool because these, these, these people telling us, listen, they didn't like the rules. They didn't like people telling them what they could and couldn't do. They didn't care nothing about them lifeguards. They'd rather the lifeguards weren't there so they could stay in the pool when it was raining. They, they'd rather the lifeguards weren't there because they wouldn't tell them, stop running, stop running, no running, or I'll throw you out. The lifeguards were just a burden to them. And that's how Jesus is to most people. I don't want his rules. I don't want him telling me what to do. Squashing my fun, harshing my high. Those same kids that didn't care anything about that lifeguard. When somebody was drowning, when somebody thought they were in trouble, struggling, they were screaming, waving, flailing, yelling for help. See, it's not hard to get somebody to, to want salvation. It's hard to get somebody to believe that they're in enough trouble that they need a Savior. So if you can admit that you've sinned, and if you can be believed that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you, was buried and rose again on the third day, and see if you'll confess with your mouth that you trust Him with your life and you give yourself to Him and you accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior. That's what salvation is all about. Because 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He was righteous. We were sinful. He paid for our sins so we don't have to. You either come by Jesus or you don't come at all. Now, some of you in this room have convinced yourselves that you're a Christian when there's nothing Christian about you. Some of you have convinced yourself that you're, you're saved because mom and daddy took you to church. Some of you have convinced yourself that you're truly born again. Listen, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than, than sitting in a garage makes you a car. You've got to have a life-changing, soul-altering, Holy Ghost experience with the living God to truly be saved. It's called being born again. Jesus said you must be born again. The people in this room that have truly been born again, they can tell you, I used to be like this, but now I'm like that. Oh, we're not perfect. We still have our struggles. But there was the, that us that we remember, and there's this new us. Can five people say amen? Everybody in this room is only one prayer away from being totally right with God. Because the Bible says if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Romans 10, 13, last scripture I'm going to give you, says whosoever, and that means anybody, 
whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some of you have done that before, and it didn't result in true salvation. Some of you walked out in this church. Pray, pray. There's one person in, uh, well, there's actually two people or more in this room that have been walked out and get saved at least a half dozen times and have been baptized at least a half dozen times. And none of that guarantees real salvation in their life. Why do some people walk an aisle once and get truly saved, ask God to save them once and get truly saved? Others have to have experience after experience before it finally kicks in. Because here's what God said. You'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Some of you need to do that today. Oh, you want to get off to lunch with family. You want to tell mama, get off my back now. I came to church. Because some people, some people are in here only to please somebody else. But some people are in here because they know what God has done for them. And if the whole world quits serving him, they ain't going to quit serving him. If you're here and you're not sure about your salvation, you ought to just do the simple thing that the Bible says. If you can admit, believe, and confess, you can be saved. The Bible says with the, with, uh, with, with, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you want to get saved today, you don't have to walk an aisle. You don't, you don't have to talk to anybody other than God. But you need to get serious about your Christianity. Jesus was serious about it. God did not send his son to be Ridiculed, rejected, spat on, beaten, stripped naked and hung on a cruel Roman cross so that we could come together every now and then and have church. He gave his all for us and he expects nothing less in return. Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us your son Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for salvation. God, I pray for everyone in this room that is truly saved, Lord, that you'd fill us with your spirit and empower us to love you more than we love everything else. And God, for those who aren't saved, Lord, I pray that today, they would be saved for real with no looking back. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you, uh, I don't want anybody looking around just for another two minutes. I just want to give you an opportunity. If you really want to get saved today, I don't care how many times you've tried to get saved. If you know it's just not right in your heart right now, and you say, I'm, I'm really ready, Pastor. I'm really ready to search for him with everything. I'm really ready to become a real Christian. If you're not saved, or if you're not sure that you're truly saved, listen, if you're truly saved, you'd be sure of it. If you have doubts and you're wondering, you need to put that to rest today by simply asking God to save you. There's no magic in the prayer, but there's, but, but there's power in asking the God who hears you. And he knows if you're serious or not. If you're serious about it, he'll save you for real with a life-saving, soul-changing salvation. I'm going to pray a prayer. This prayer is not magic. But if you really mean it with all your heart, God will save you. If you want to get saved for sure today, I'm not talking about rededicating your life. I'm not talking about becoming a better person. I'm talking about becoming born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to truly get saved today, as I pray this prayer out loud, I want you to pray it silently in your mind. The Bible says God can hear the thoughts in your mind. If you really want to get saved today, as I pray this out loud, you pray it silently in your mind. Dear God, I believe in you. And I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Please forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. Save me. Make me a real Christian. Take my life and use me for your glory. With no one looking around, if you just said those words to God or something like that, and you just asked God to save you for real, with no one looking around but me, if you prayed that and you really meant it, as a way of testimony, would you just slip your hand up and say, I prayed that prayer. All right. All right. All right. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. 
Here's what I want you to do. The Bible says this. Everybody look at me. The Bible says if. That means it could happen and it might not happen. But he said if. Jesus said if you confess me in front of people. I will confess you in front of my father on judgment day. I like to opportunity to do everything God commanded them to do so you know for sure that Jesus will stand up and vouch for you. You're going to need Jesus to vouch for you on, on, on that day. And he said, if you'll confess me in front of people, I'll confess you in front of God. I want to give you an opportunity right now to do everything that you need to do to seal this thing uh, and, and, and cement it in concrete. If you ask God to save you today and you really believe that you meant it, and that he heard you and that he's real. I'm not going to ask you to come up to this front. I'm, I'm not going to come down there and put my hands on you. But the Bible says if you'll confess him in front of people, uh, he'll confess you. If you prayed that prayer and you believe God saved you today and you mean serious business with God, where, right where you are, I just want you to stand up and say, I did it and I'm not ashamed of it. The Bible says whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. Amen. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't care how many times you did it before. This is your moment. Amen. Amen. Listen to me. Everybody that's standing, hear me good right now. I believe in you. I believe you meant it because you had the courage to stand up and say you meant it. And, here, and here's what, remember, Jesus said, if you'll confess me in front of people, you just confess Jesus Christ in front of people. He's going to vouch for you on judgment day. It don't matter what happens to you for the rest of your life. Jesus is going to stand up for you on Judgment Day. I love you. I thank God for you. Get in a good Bible teaching church. Get serious about it. Listen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.